What up, betches? On this week's episode, we're sharing the training concepts that Lauren would really, really like you to know and might be out of a job over when we finally tell you. Kidding. But we are talking about exercise science and turning it into digestible info for you to bring more awareness into your training so that you can do it better. We're also going on a fun adventure to the Wild West mid-episode, so you don't want to miss this. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the Average Climber Podcast. Caitlin, how do you feel about sloths? I truly don't know that I have an opinion about sloths. Well, I'm gonna you're about to have an opinion because <laughs> I educate me. I have big Big will be a pun in a second. Big news about sloths. Did you know that they have ancestors that were the size of an elephant? Uh, I am disgusted, disturbed, and intrigued all at the same time. They Can you were tell me more? so big, literally. Okay, guess guess how big a giant ground sloth could be. Well, as big as an elephant, as you yeah, just yeah. But like, mentioned. how much do you think that weighs? <laughs> Tons correct you would be correct up to four tons no nope thank you yeah no nope. okay but you watched avatar the last airbender right you remember like Absolutely. the badger moles yes yeah okay so there's these tunnels in south america that were straight up dug by giant ground sloths and they thought they were like archaeological and that peoples had dug these tunnels like tens of thousands of years ago but they're actually giant ground sloth tunnels and it's insane i wonder if avatar took this and made it into what we know today it'd be, because that's incredible it'd be kind of fun so um i just thought it was mind-blowing i thought it was important for everyone to know and i'll be bringing you important facts terrifying in every episode just like facts. this one <laughs> megafauna y'all megafauna megafauna mega mega sweet that's all i got <laughs> i feel like you're not fascinated and i'm upset no i'm <laughs> deeply <laughs> disturbed because the vision inside my mind of a giant sloth not chasing me but trampling me to death with their sloth claws is so upsetting i mean i literally i'm looking at a wikipedia page that has like that exact illustration on it like they were big <sighs> nope. yep so if you look up megatherium on wikipedia megatherium correct okay. yes you will find you will find your nightmares. <laughs> this is what nightmares are made of. Excellent. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Perfect. So Lauren, what are we talking about today? Slots. <laughs> Purely slots. <laughs> Wait, where we were doing something more important? <laughs> There's nothing more important. <laughs> well, you know, I had an idea that we could talk about some of the basics in training because as an athlete myself, that's that's why we're here. We're we're average, as you know. And I I really wanted to hear some of your thoughts about the things that you really wanted us to know because I know when we started working together, you kind of gave me a rundown of like, here you go. The, these are the basics. And then you joked and told me that you might be out of your job afterwards because you're telling industry secrets. So <laughs> if you want to dive in with that. <laughs> let's let's do it. No, it's great. I'm excited. Yes. So today we are going to talk about a few basics of 
exercise science and a few things that if every rock climber knew this, I think everyone would be a lot smarter and would probably climb harder and have more fun and maybe even be less injured wildly enough. So, ooh, sexy. Very sexy topics today. So let's get into it. What do you want to talk about first? Well, one of the things I was thinking about is... You know, when you go to the crag or the gym and you're like, oh, hey, there's that pro climber that I am fangirling over. That's what I do sometimes. <laughs> yes. um, but, the, you know, the difference between climbing versus other sports is like if you were to play intramural basketball, for example, you're probably not going to see Michael Jordan. So I feel like climbing is just such a different sport and... I, I just, it's kind of an interesting thing to think about in terms of training too, because climbing is a skill sport, but it's, it's just so different from the other athletic communities, I guess. Yeah, we're definitely, (laughs) we're definitely a special group. A few things make us special. (laughs) First of all, our apparent aversion to strength training that we're currently (laughs) working on is always, always fun to work with. Um, so yeah, let me talk let me talk a little bit about that, which I think is interesting. And actually, let me you mentioned climbing being a skill sport. So let me let me dive into that a little bit too. So climbing is an interesting sport because for many sports you can kind of focus on, you know, maybe we'll get into energy systems later. But for a lot of sports you can focus on having like pretty good skill with perhaps like a cyclical or a few different, you know, movements, things of that nature, like cycling for example. You need, I'm sure I don't say, okay, I don't cycle a lot. So forgive me cyclists if I'm messing something up, but it seems like cycling, you know, at the end of the day, you're probably going to pedal with climbing. There are infinite combinations of moves and climbing, I think is a more comparable sport to perhaps martial arts or Mm, gymnastics or figure skating. Whereas you might have other sports such as cycling, running that are more cyclic in nature and maybe don't involve as much of a skill component as climbing does. So that's something important to remember when you're looking at your progression as a rock climber is that above all else, improving your skills and your technique is going to be really important over improving your strength. However, that is not to say that improving your strength is not important. Um, We'll get into that later. But when you're looking at the hierarchy of needs, most of the time, getting better at rock climbing and improving your skills as a climber is going to be massive. So, so when you when you say a skill, do you mean like footwork, finger, body positioning, <laughs> things of that nature? <laughs> I don't right. know why I no. botched that. Uh no, you're good. I know what you mean. So, when I say skill, I mean I mean the way that you well, I think we could break down climbing into a ton of different little skills, right? It's like heel hooking. It's how mm, you put your yep, weight on feet. Yep. It's how you grab holds. It's how you look at a route and know a route or a boulder and know how to read it. There's a thousand little skills. It's knowing how to breathe. It's knowing how to control your fear. It's all these little tiny things that amount to our skills as climbers that are super important in the grand scheme of things. It's knowing how to clip a bolt, frankly. It's knowing how yeah, to fall. You have to be a pretty multifaceted learner and skill developer in our sport that's yeah I don't know if a lot of us think about that I'm sure I mean I don't think about that on a daily basis (laughs) I mean yeah it's I I was thinking about this the other day like okay when someone's running a marathon they're gonna run 26.2 miles right if someone in climbing is climbing a 511a 
might be 110 feet of slightly overhanging jugs, or it could be like 50 feet of crimps and slab. And we just call them the same grade. And I don't know if they're a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, and oh, by the way, the way everything gets their their grades is completely subjective too. And it's just like whoever showed up and like, I just don't know if there are any other sports that operate this subjectively with the difficulty of things. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's a really good point because I... Yeah, that definitely speaks to how different climbing is from a lot of other sports. Like maybe I would equate it to something like gymnastics or ice skating where it's like, you know, nuanced skills within that category. But I'm also not going to do those just yeah for fun right <laughs> makes you wonder like why do we then why do we climb for fun <laughs> <laughs> jokes <laughs> probably because there usually isn't a panel of judges judging you and you also don't have to wear uncomfortable outfits to rock climb so that's nice although oh, actually I have a lot to say about that but that's another whole episode <laughs> so <laughs> although I don't know if your harness is super uncomfortable maybe get a new harness so sports bras the bane oh, of my existence. Yes, that's that's a whole a whole other episode for sure. Yes, but we don't have to dive into that today. But I also wanted to kind of talk about energy systems a little bit because I don't know if anyone has heard much about that. I mean, I know Lauren and I have talked about it a lot together and it's something that we really like to introduce when we do talk to clients um, because it, I think it gives us the basis for why we might prescribe something for people, basically. <laughs> right on. Yeah, no, let's dive into energy systems. And like this could be, um, I'm going to shout out Eric Hurst. He did a very excellent and in-depth endeavor on each of the energy systems for rock climbers. So definitely check that out if you haven't. But I'll give you a brief overview of them here. Um, and I do want to sum up my last point. So before we get into energy systems, remember, climbing is a skill sport. So improving your skill is often going to help you a lot and is typically paramount to improving your strength. However, improving your strength and certain aspects of energy systems is going to be a big help too, which is why we're going to talk about that now. So which one, which one would you like to start with, Caitlin? Well, maybe we could start with the first energy system, which I think many of us are familiar with in our power and strength-based sport, which is what we do a lot of in climbing. So what do you think? Yeah, actually, maybe we should back up. Do you want to just like briefly explain Caitlin has more, I have had to take <laughs> biology and all the things if you didn't remember I also have a chemical engineering degree so very very wide-ranging science background on this podcast but I'll let Caitlin go ahead Caitlin do you want to just like quickly break down like what energy systems are yeah so energy systems are essentially kind of happening as you're working out and all the time and all the time but essentially it is how our body is metabolizing certain substrates or nutrients to create usable energy for the work that we are putting in. And there are three energy systems that we primarily talk about. They're not necessarily occurring separate from each other. They're all occurring at the same time usually, but one might be more predominant depending on what you're doing. So yeah, uh, yeah, no, let me just add to that. That was really helpful. Thank you, Caitlin. Yeah. So energy systems, very basically are the way our bodies produce energy so we can move, do all the things that we do. And yes, to Caitlin's point, all of them are typically interacting or are active 
at all times for the most part, but certain ones will dominate over others. So let's start with the anaerobic alactic system. And I'm not going to like go too heavy with the like science words because that's just <laughs> not necessary. Like we just, we can, we don't need to do that. Well, now, you know, anaerobic alactic. I actually explain this one, Lauren, and then I'm going to go into uh, the science word for it to give some context yes, to a yeah, specific Caitlin supplement. Cool. Okay. So the anaerobic alactic system is essentially your strength and power energy system. So this system is going to dominate for periods of time lasting from zero to 12 seconds. It's going to be for types of activities that are super high intensity. Um, Thinking about it in the context of climbing, you're going to think like a really short, tough boulder problem. This is like you're trying super hard for a couple of moves. You're not going to be very pumped and you're going to be giving a pretty maximal effort in a short amount of time. This also could look like testing your one rep max on a deadlift or doing a 10 or 15 second sprint, things things of that nature. Caitlin, you want to dive into, give us a little baby taste of biochem over there? <laughs> yes, a little baby taste, a little taste. Um, I actually am really glad that you expanded on specific workouts this, that this would relate to and, and be part of, because I think from, from my background, I know this as, you know, very high intensity energy output over very, uh, short amounts of time, but you're really only producing very little, uh, energy basically. So we'll get into the nuance of this, but essentially, uh, this is also called, so Lauren mentioned the anaerobic alactic energy system, but this is actually called, or also known as the creatine phosphate energy system. So when you think about creatine, this is kind of where that comes in, but creatine, the reason that a lot of athletes take it and the reason why many, many researchers have looked into this as a performance enhancing aid is because this is the system that creatine is intended to support. So by loading our muscles with creatine, we're essentially supporting the process of uh, our body making ATP. It doesn't directly create it, but it's what helps transfer essentially that that ATP to create it faster. So the theory is the more you have, the more you make, and the more likely you're going to have this energy system for your very high output. Yeah. It's kind of like if creatine is part of the fuel that, okay. And we just mentioned ATP. So adenosine triphosphate, that basically just equals like the energy that makes us move. So if we have extra creatine, essentially that's going to help us in theory and I think also in practice, (laughs) generate more ATP. And it's kind of just like adding more fuel to the chemical reaction that creates ATP so that we can be extra snappy and powerful, (laughs) which is awesome. Love snap. (laughs) We love snap. Actually, yes. Let me harp on this really fast. So I think we'll probably have to have a whole episode about each one of these at some point. But interesting and an important thing to understand when it comes to training strength and power When you're trying to train this energy system, the anaerobic alactic energy system, it is, if your goal of your session is to get more powerful and you know you need more power, it's so, so important to do activities within this short, snappy period of time. So something, a big mistake that a lot of athletes make when they are training power is they will do like, let's say, okay, let's say you're doing a a power pull-up. So I I prescribe this exercise a lot because it's simple and it works. So I'll tell athletes, you're going to do a pull-up as fast as you possibly can. 
and I want you, usually I tell them to try to have their arms come off the bar, so almost a plyo pull-up, and I will tell them to do that, and I will say, as soon as you cannot move quickly and snappy anymore, the set is over, and I don't care if that took you only two reps before number three was moving slow, because as soon as you get out of that, like, snappy zone where you're moving really fast, you are no longer training power, and you're just doing extra work and creating extra fatigue for no reason. So when you are trying to develop this energy system, you really got to cut it off once that high intensity drops off. Otherwise, you're wasting your time and honestly just adding training load that could contribute to injury. So, And maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but when I was learning about energy systems in my sports nutrition class, uh, I learned that this system, I'll use the word like recharges after one to two minutes or so. Mm. Is that, what are your thoughts on that? What did what did you learn in that? <laughs> what are you doing over there? <laughs> no, that's actually so interesting. Okay, so another, also this is the shout out Eric Hurst, but he did a really, really cool analysis of a couple, I think he did like Margot Hayes on biography and like a couple other excellent ascents, but it's super interesting. He noticed that the, this might be a really good segue into the anaerobic lactic system too, but he noticed that the athletes would do the hard sections of the climb in like 60 to 90 seconds and then they would hang out at the rests for almost double that time or at least like Mm. depending on what the rests are but anyways net net I could like we'd need to dive further much further into this than we probably want to but this system totally recovers like in it definitely recovers in that frame of time and usually when I'm working with a sport climbing athlete if they're at a pretty good rest on a route and they've like done a hard section I will typically tell them if it's a pretty good rest try to stick around for at least 60 seconds if you can because you're gonna get more back than if you hang out for like 20 seconds and go like a lot of athletes really don't take time to like let that rest help them recover so pretty interesting that you bring that up yeah that's a definitely a good point and it's not as if you can like I don't I don't necessarily think you can train to improve this system all that much Um, I think you can you can yeah you definitely can I mean that's like the whole process of it's the hardest one to improve though so that's a good point to bring Mm. up because it is the simplest system because it's pretty much ATP goes from muscles to being spent right so because there aren't a lot of like steps in the process improving it's difficult and that's why you do have to be so specific and careful with your training and smart with your training when you are trying to improve power Okay, that's that's good to know because, yeah, when you're learning this in your grad school education, not in practice, it's like, oh, that's it. That's what that's what it you got. No, long. over over in over in training land, we're like more power. <laughs> we will make you more powerful. Very also, cool. my my own training over the past year is a testament to the fact that if you work hard at getting more powerful, you can't become a more powerful athlete. Power and climbing, also just to like PSA, yes. Doing things to improve power is like a multifaceted thing, like becoming a more powerful climber. Yes, doing like supplementary training is helpful for that, obviously, and doing like some resistance training in the weight room, etc. But also becoming a more powerful climber is also about developing the skills to like fully use your whole body on the wall um, as well. So it's a combination of a lot of things that are going to make you a more powerful rock climber. And there's a lot of activities, both general and specific, that you can develop your power. 
definitely really good points. I am not a what I would call powerful climber. Uh, so definitely working on that. <laughs> I like the uh, sloth like movements. That's the other theme of today. I have been yelling. Caitlin and I have been like bouldering together for the past few days. And I've just been yelling, jump and chuck, Caitlin. <laughs> I <laughs> refuse. She refuses. But then I yell at her to jump and it's great. It's we are very different rock climbers. It's good. It's good to climb with her. Caitlin, Caitlin will lock stuff off. And I'm like, I will jump now. So it's good. We're a good it's balance. It's a good good balance yes. for sure. The one other thing I want to mention about this anaerobic alactic metabolism or creatine phosphate, if you will, is that the primary energy source for this system is carbs. It doesn't mean that fats and protein aren't helpful, but primarily in this system, you are going to want carbs because they provide that quick energy to make you snappy. So yep. if you've ever heard me harp or even Lauren harp about eating before you go into training, making sure you're fueled, this is why, because we climbers like to snap and power, unless you're me, you don't like to do that, but Ooh. carbs are still important. And that actually is a good segue into the anaerobic glycolysis or anaerobic lactic metabolism because carbs are important there, but carbs learn. are always important. Carbs are life. We don't just say it because we like donuts. We say it because we like being able to dead point to hard shit. 90% donuts, 10% dead point. So yes. Lauren, do you want to explain to the rest of us? Yes. What I think this, this energy system is the, so I refer to it as the anaerobic lactic energy system. And you all might know it well as power endurance and power endurance and strength endurance are like a little bit different, but I don't think we need to go into that there and we can just call it power endurance here. So power endurance is the ability to do powerful moves um, or strong moves over and over again. Um, usually this is going to be a moderate to high intensity effort that's going to last from 12 seconds to about two minutes. Um, usually at about if you are doing your own analysis of like a rock climb and you notice how long it takes for your really good power reserves to drop off, you'll probably notice it at about 90 seconds of a good effort. But when you're training this system, the goal is to sort of depends on what kind of climb you're doing, but usually the goal is to sustain higher power outputs throughout longer durations. And this is this is definitely a tough energy system to train. But if you're thinking about those times where you're like getting power down on a climb or you're starting to get super pumped out um, or you've been giving it a really long effort or something of that nature, that's that. That's that anaerobic lactic system that you're thinking of there. So I'm assuming, well, you can tell me this. I have... In the past, you've given me every minute on the minute mm, trainings. Yes. And then also, these are industry secrets. Um, <laughs> also, I've done four by fours or things of that nature. So is that kind of like what you prescribe with the idea in mind that that we're trying to enhance or, and support this training adaptation? Yeah, that's a really good point. So Caitlin brought up every minute on the minute boulders or boulders on a one minute clock. And you can do these on a two minute clock. Um, it kind of depends on what you're after. So yes, these are definitely going to kind of get you into that anaerobic lactic zone. Although usually if you're doing boulders on a minute clock, you're probably going to have like 30 second rests in between. So I almost prescribe that one more for work capacity or as like a progression type session that you would use later. Okay. Let me just walk you through it really quick. So 
if an athlete's doing like every minute on the minute boulders, typically I might, if, and let's say they're preparing for like a longer boulder problem or some kind of problem, they're going to need to be able to give like continuous efforts. I'm going to go ahead. We're going to use that session to build a base and get them used to that level of training and that amount of volume. And then we're going to progress it into something more continuous, like a four by four, where you're not going to have that break. You're going to like jump off the wall and get back on so that you really are like completely on and in the zone for that like probably two minute two minute session so yeah very cool both are the both of those things are definitely like in the realm of what we're after okay well that that gives me some good context to why I do what I do (laughs) why are we doing what we're doing (laughs) yes and that's why we want to tell all of you this of course because it it's going to help when you're just like, wow, this session sucks, but why am I doing this? You'll be more likely to keep doing it if you understand why it's important. Well, so. the energy system of like all Yeah, you know. you're going to be like, energy system, my ass. I am sweating. This sucks shit. <laughs> <laughs> so. And the other thing to keep in mind here, too, is because they're not necessarily because there is a power element, but by nature of this being another high intensity, not quite as high as the first system, but high intensity over moderate durations, though you're still going to use carbs. Yeah. Here. Still need carbs. Yep. Carbs are life. You get a carb. You get a carb. Everybody We needs all carbs. get a carb. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So a couple more things I'll say about this energy system. Um, this one is really like tough to train. The volume of proper power endurance training is going to be pretty intense. And I definitely don't recommend people be training pure power endurance all year round. Um, it's definitely, I always call it the icing on the cake before you go try to perform just cause it'll wear you out in a lot, a lot of ways. Um, Yeah. So just a little PSA on power endurance training. Other thing, I think everyone just goes to like a couple of sessions, like Caitlin mentioned, a four by four, uh, which is where you pick, pick four boulders or one boulder and you do it four times. And then you do that four total times for like 16 laps up the boulders. Um, Important thing to know about power endurance training. So depending on what kind of climbing you're preparing for, whether that's bouldering, a longer route, a shorter route. There's a whole spectrum of climbs you can be preparing for and your power endurance training. If you have like a style or a goal climb in mind, it really should be designed so that the time that you're spending on the wall and the number of moves you're doing and the angle of what you're doing and like all the things is reflective of what your goals are outside. So just doing Mm. a four by four is not like the catch all for your power endurance training. Like it's very smart to make your power endurance training somewhat specific to what your goals are if you have any sorts of specific goals. So I could talk about that literally all day. I won't do that, but just a PSA, there's more, there are more power endurance sessions and ways to train power endurance than four by fours. Um, Yeah. So if you don't have a coach and you train four by fours or you're training something that's maybe not specific to your goal will it that still be beneficial to you as a whole or what are your thoughts Mm, that's a good question honestly like I said I would say power endurance training is sort of sort of the icing on the cake but if you oh boy this is so big. I I don't. You'll find out on this podcast that I like hate generalizing, but we're gonna do our we're gonna do our best today. I would say that if you're trying to like develop work capacity, and some parts of the year you're just like, yep, for this month I do four, four by fours, or for these like six weeks I do four by fours once a week to like increase my work capacity and the ability to do a bunch of boulders. It's not a bad thing. 
you're not necessarily going to hurt yourself if you've done enough rock climbing where you can like handle that volume. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that like there's better ways than others to do it. We probably should do a whole episode on power endurance. <laughs> yeah. But, it yeah. deserves multiple it deserves, uh, conversations. Yeah. But, no, that's interesting because I remember a long time ago, around the time I first started climbing, I would do like wall traverses mm, at the gym yeah. and I would spend 10 minutes on the wall yeah. without coming off. Yeah. Ooh, a different and energy system that we can talk about next. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was really interested in building up my capacity for endurance, yeah. but, um, yeah, maybe that is a good segue into our final energy system, which is aerobic metabolism. You want to take it away? Yeah, sure. Okay, so this one is aerobic endurance, and this energy system can last anywhere from two minutes to however the heck long it takes people to do those ultra marathons. So this this is our low and slow, forever, long-time energy system. And, it's, and like we said, just a reminder, all of these are active throughout, you know, our entire climbing. Like you're never just going to be in the anaerobic lactic zone and then just in aerobic zone. Like all of them are contributing. It's just the amount that they're contributing is going to depend. But so this is going to be like low to moderate intensity type activities. You might think multi-pitch climbing is like a really obvious example. Maybe you're on something where it's pretty sustained climbing for like 100 feet, less than that. Like at some point on a route climb, you're probably going to be in an aerobic zone or this is the zone you're going to get into if you're like recovering on a rest or something like that. So, and this could be running, swimming, all the things, but this is definitely your, your low and slow energy system that requires oxygen Hence yes aerobic aerobic yes. it's also called oxidative phosphorylation in biochem nerd speak uh, but i definitely think it's interesting too because this is the predominant energy system for walking yes. and basic activity which is definitely cool and what's interesting about this system is that it also uses primarily fat as an energy source still uses carbs too um, and it can actually use any but it's less of a carb heavy energy system here and yeah anything else you want to add to that I, I have another thing I want to add but this gets a little bit deeper into the nerd science yeah Ooh, okay. Sorry. I'm listening to our, our team mascot is snoring in the studio. <laughs> team mascot, Stubby the Corgi. Stubby the Corgi. He has taken a nap because he is <laughs> he is old and very cute. And he he is probably using primarily his aerobic energy system right now because He's he is not moving. Chillin'. He is chilling. <laughs> so uh, let's see. So the aerobic okay, what else do I want to say about this? A lot of rock climbers tend to overvalue endurance and I'm not saying endurance isn't important but strength and power again harder things to train and then a lot of athletes instead of focusing on developing the ability to have a high power output and do super difficult moves and develop their general strength will spend a lot of time doing like tons and tons of laps in the gym for the pursuit of endurance which is important but some things are more important than others. So I think this is a great segue into talking about adaptation persistence, and perhaps we can do that after after a quick little break. Yeah, very curious to know what that fancy combo of words means. Ooh, it's so, so important. This is my favorite thing to talk about, except for sloths. The ranking is sloths, 
adaptation persistence. So get excited. And then donuts or do donuts go first? Mm, I don't know. Donuts are complicated for me because I shouldn't eat them because I can't eat gluten. Anyone who has an excellent gluten-free donut recipe, please Please send send it it. our way. My life is sad. And we do have a wok at my house now and I can deep fry things. And I've been begging Michael to learn how to make gluten-free funnel cakes. And it has not come to fruition. But if all the listeners could maybe send send comments so I can show Michael that me getting to eat funnel cake is important. I'd really appreciate your support of me eating funnel cakes. We should really take a break because I'm getting very hungry. <laughs> funnel cake break time. Funnel cake break. Caitlin. Do you want to go on an adventure? Where are we going, Lauren? To the Wild West that is health and fitness Pinterest. Saddle up, partner, because Caitlin and I are about to read some health and wellness articles in our finest cowboy voices. How to lose 20 pounds in two weeks. The cucumber diet plan. Healthy coffee smoothie. For weight loss. This dumbbell workout will tone your arms like crazy. Breast lift. Chest exercise for women. Keto breakfast that destroy weight. Grow your booty at home. Hot fire booty circuit. Well, Caitlin... This town ain't big enough for all that shit posting. Should we get back to the podcast? Settle up, partner, to go back. Hopefully y'all enjoyed that little detour. We think we're funny and that's what matters most. We are only doing (laughs) this for our own entertainment. (laughs) Stick around if you can handle us. (laughs) Yeah, if you hated that, I'd leave. (laughs) (laughs) It's just going to get worse. Anyway. It's only episode two. Just (laughs) So we're back to talking about things that every rock climber should know so you can understand how to train better. And one of the things that I've heard you talk a lot about about is how climbers focus on endurance but don't really think about strength and power all that often and I know that this is pertaining to adaptation persistence which is a big old word can you define big that use it in words. a sentence <laughs> this one is this is like I said one of my favorite things to talk about so what the heck is adaptation persistence adaptation persistence is essentially the fact that certain adaptations that we develop will stick around longer than others and essentially how it works is certain adaptations are really really hard to gain but they are also hard to lose once you have them however there are other adaptations that are really easy to gain but they are also easy to lose if we don't keep training them and so let me kind of break down which ones how kind of the spectrum goes so endurance is not a very persistent adaptation. So it's really easy to gain, but it's really easy to lose. So for athletes that are, this happened a lot in the pandemics. There were so many people that were kind of freaking out going, how am I I gonna keep my endurance up during like the pandemic, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here thinking like, 
what do you need endurance for right now? Like you can train it up once you're getting closer to needing to have endurance, but right now you don't really need it and it will come back when you need it to. Um, Caitlin, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you know how like if you haven't been on ropes for a while, like the first few times you get back on them, you're like, oh my God, I'm so pumped. Like this is terrible. And then a few sessions later, like you're fine. I've definitely experienced this myself. Like, do you know what Absolutely. I'm talking about? Yep. yep. Because I'm primarily a boulderer. And right. when I transition to sports season in the summer months here in New Mexico, I noticed that I am so pumped the first few sessions. I'm also terrified, which I'm sure contributes to that. But absolutely, even if I try to get back into running, you know, the like three weeks out of the year that I feel stoked on that for some reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty big uphill battle. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly why, though. So it's that adaptation persistence where endurance is not a very persistent adaptation. Um, so it's okay. PSA to everyone. It's okay if your endurance for like long routes or whatever it may be is not perfect all year round. It You can train it back up relatively, relatively quickly. And when I say relatively quickly, I mean like in a three to six week range. Kind of depends on you and where your endurance is at when we're getting started. Um, but endurance is definitely a less persistent adaptation. So now let me tell you about the more persistent adaptations. So these would be things like strength hypertrophy, aka your muscle mass is the most persistent adaptation. That's why if you like break your leg and you don't work out your whole body at all for six months, you don't like completely shrivel up and lose like all of your muscle mass, right? Like most of it probably sticks around. So that's hypertrophy. Then we have strength, which is our ability to lift heavy loads. I think we all kind of understand what strength is. And that is a pretty darn persistent adaptation. And that means that it's going to take a really long time to gain it. But once you have it, it's going to stick around, which is super cool. So that's why athletes that maybe like have climbed for a long time or have invested a lot of time in strength training off the couch, they can be pretty strong rock climbers because over time they've put a ton of work into developing their strength, which is really freaking cool and then sort of in the middle of the the spectrum of strength is power so power um is strength with a speed component so i'll explain this super quick um hopefully we all know this but if you don't that's cool so strength would be like i can do a body weight pull up plus 20 pounds and it takes you five seconds to do the whole rep increasing your power would be being able to do that faster. So instead of it taking five seconds, you increase your power and now you can do that body weight plus 20 pound pull up in two seconds instead of five seconds. Um, hmm, so I that's what something. It, yeah. Fun <laughs> fact. So power is strength with the speed component. So that's why I'm, I say you got to be snappy if you want to develop power because it's all about moving fast. Yeah. So that one's kind of in the middle, but that's why I kind of, I end up grouping them together, but that's why I think it's so important as an athlete to be pursuing strength and power on a pretty regular basis throughout your training, because if you're constantly dumping all your energy into endurance, it just doesn't make like a ton of sense when you know how these things work. Let me ask you this, Caitlin, when you came, so what was your like quarantine like in general? Like, did you get Ooh. to climb or? Yeah, I actually climbed quite a bit mm -hmm. and I, I definitely built up a lot of strength nice. I would say yeah and the endurance died which is fine <laughs> endurance can be resurrected 
So yeah, as that's learned. now that I know that I'm like, okay. Yeah, it all makes <laughs> sense, kind of, right? It it definitely does. I didn't realize that power was strength plus speed. So that's that's definitely very cool to put into context like that. Yeah. I wish I sometimes I wish this was a visual medium because then I could like show you all the force velocity curve, but we won't do that. We'll That's get there. fine. Or I can explain it, but you'll just be like, la, la, la. actually, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of give, I always ask people this because I think it's so fascinating. And then I like use this to be like, huh, and that's how adaptation persistence works. But yeah, um, personally over the pandemic, I was for a lot of it, I was in an apartment in Hoboken, New Jersey, and all I had access to was like a hangboard and kettlebells. So I just got really strong fingers and I got really strong and I couldn't really rock climb for months and when I came back to the gym I found that like I could still boulder at the same level I just couldn't do it as long but in my head I was like mm-hmm. well this completely makes sense because my endurance went away um, even though I did try to do some like endurance type training with kettlebells and stuff in my house it wasn't all just like strength training it, I mean it was you get what I'm saying like I tried to incorporate some endurance work I did burpees Ew. who does that I did it because I was like, I'm going to need some like just general body endurance. Right. But when I came back, it was like, yeah, I can boulder as hard as I ever did, but I can't do it as long. So I need to like add my endurance back when it makes sense. But that's why during the pandemic, I was very much like, why, why don't you just try to get super, super strong and spend this time getting very, uh, if you're going to invest any time in training, um, you know, during that time I was like, we're all probably not going to get on real rocks anytime mm-hmm. soon so if you can just invest time into making yourself super strong and if, if you had a home wall that would look like working on really hard moves or really difficult boulders um that's like a good good thing to do so hopefully that helps you understand why like dumping all of your energy into endurance all the time isn't necessarily the best idea and investing time consistently throughout the year on power and strength is a really smart thing so This kind of relates to, I think, the panic when athletes are concerned about taking time off. So can you speak to that a little bit? OMG, nothing makes me laugh more than when people are like, I had to take a week off. I think I got weaker. And I'm like, it doesn't no. work like that. <laughs> like, literally doesn't work like that. You do not get weaker in a week. You might feel like you haven't climbed in a little bit and your skills feel rusty or something like that, but you physically haven't, like, nothing's really changed that much yet. Like, maybe, maybe if you were in the middle of a power endurance block and you decided to take, like, one or two weeks off right in the middle and then you came back and you felt like your power endurance and your endurance had dropped off that I could believe because those are less persistent adaptations but if you're trying to tell me that like your strength has completely dropped off after like a week off like that's that's not how it works wrong wrong yeah Sorry. but also good news for you so calm down <laughs> well that's I, I feel like that's happened to me where it's maybe I've had a few really busy weeks of work and all of my training just does not happen shit hits the fan and I kind of get panicked where I'm like oh my god I'm not training I'm not keeping up on this block I'm not even climbing what do I do and then I come back and I feel either exactly the same as I did when I was training Mm -hmm. or almost better because I think I just had some time away I come back really fresh I'm not sore at all and I'm I think the stoke also is pretty fanned at that point as well but I guess that speaks to that lovely word of 
or phrase adaptation persistence when surprise (laughs) your adaptations persist yes exactly so that's why and this is like kind of the big thing I want athletes to understand is that for lasting gains like you really need to look at this as a long game because one 12 week block of training is awesome and I love that but like I'd love if you looked at it as like a training or looking at your development of strength and power or just these you know your skills as a climber is really like a long game so if you do have those weeks I mean it's kind of a good thing because it is going to take a long time to really have like lasting effects but you you need to put in effort over time but that's going to pay off huge like I would say for the last year or so when this is being recorded I've been hammering power training shout out coach Blake he's really been working on that with me because it was definitely like some low-hanging fruit I test my max reach on a campus board and I see how like far I can slap. And last year I could go from like rung one to rung three. And then at the end of like a really solid power training block, I was going from rung one to like a little bit above rung four. And in the past like four months, I have hardly done, like I've just been climbing outside. I've been trail running. I've been skiing. I haven't really been training and my power has persisted. And I, I just tested it a couple days ago and I went from rung one to like four and a half. And I was like, sweet. My year of effort has really paid off because now I don't have to constantly be training power to have a reasonable level of power all the time. But it takes a long friggin' time, but it's awesome when you invest the time and get to see those gains and be like, haha, they are here and I don't have to try that hard to keep them around. It's like fucking cheating. It's so cool. I am the master of power. I am so much power and it will never go away. So yeah, that's how you'll feel. I love it. That's a very empowering note to end on, Lauren. <laughs> yeah. So empowering. Uh, should we wrap up here? Yeah, let me let me summarize for you. Okay, so the first thing Caitlin and I chatted about was how climbing is a skill sport, which is a little bit different from all all sports. We're special. Special. Lots of skills to climb really well, although strength is clearly very important, as we have spoken of today. Then we dove into energy systems, where we talked about the anaerobic alactic system, which is strength and power. We talked about the anaerobic lactic system, our power endurance energy system, and we talked about aerobic endurance, um, which is our low to moderate intensity energy system that lasts for efforts longer than two minutes. Then we just talked about adaptation persistence. Some attributes are easy to gain and easy to lose, like endurance, and some are harder to gain and harder to lose, like strength and power falls somewhere in the middle. So there you have it. If you wanted to fast forward just to that really brief thing, I guess you kind of listened to the whole podcast, but not really because you would have missed the part about sloths. Well, we have one final announcement too uh, to wrap up. Yes, let me tell you something fun. So at the time that this episode will be being released, Caitlin and I will be gearing up to start our group program breakthrough, which is our signature group program where we combine climbing training and nutrition. And you're going to learn a ton more about things like exercise science, how to train yourself, Caitlin We'll educate the shit out of you about things you need to know about nutrition. You get a custom plan from me, custom nutrition help from Caitlin, and just a whole lot of support. I love running this group program. The community is always awesome, and 
You can learn more about it in our show notes. We'll be getting started probably in a few weeks from when this is recording. So get get pumped and check check that out. I always get so excited when Lauren talks about breakthrough it's because so she just hypes it up and I'm like, oh man, I want to be part of Dude, that. I'm like, like, oh, I am. Yeah, sick. I'm like, I wish I had this when I started and I was like, <laughs> I guess I'll just make it. But like treat yourself like an Olympian and just get all the help and make new friends. And it's a really great time. I'm great excited. Great community. It's secretly how we meet friends as adults because Seriously. it's really hard. I'm just so. like, oh, I just make friends with my athletes and we have a really <laughs> fun time. So... It's a good time. But the next episode, we are going to dive into food and mm. good versus bad food and those food labels. Hint, hint, there's no such thing as good and bad food. Well, so. you ruined it. They're never going <laughs> to listen now. They no, know the ending. You know the ending, but you don't know the meat of the story. And True. that is there's where we're going to dive in. plot. A plot. The plot is the part. Breakthrough Enrollment is now open. Breakthrough is a 12-week group program that combines the benefits of customized training and high-quality nutrition programming. Breakthrough is a high-touch program where you will receive tons of support from myself, Caitlin, and your fellow groupmates to level up your climbing like you never have before. You can learn more about Breakthrough by tapping the link in our show notes. The Average Climber podcast is hosted by me, Lauren, and my co-host, Caitlin. You can find the show on Instagram at The Average Climber Podcast for tips, antics, and updates on when new episodes are coming out. You can also find me on Instagram at Good Spray Coaching and Caitlin on her Instagram over at Dirtbag Nutritionist. The show is produced by Josh Hafley, who is responsible for reining us in when possible and making this whole shebang sound real, real good. The music for this episode was created by the great Devin Dabney of The American Climbing Project. Make sure to check out his podcast if you haven't already. You'll laugh, you'll learn, and you will introspect. The Average Climber Podcast is a part of the Plug Tone Audio Network. Head on over to PlugToneAudio.com or find Plug Tone Audio on Instagram at Plug Tone Audio to find the other great shows on the network, like the Power Company Podcast or Sends and Suffers. The collective is going strong and we are happy to be a part of it. See you next time. And until then, keep it average.